the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SRN News. W262CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. True friendship is selfless. And we need to hear this because so much of what we think is a friendship is not. It's one-sided. So much of what we think is friendship is really manipulative, controlling. Some people think they're friends, but they're really not friends. They're very controlling or they smother someone. They can't stand that, that my friend is with somebody else. They're very jealous. That's not true friendship. True friendship is selfless. It is well said that a friend in need is a friend indeed. When we are needy and our casual friends avoid us, that is when we discover who our real friends are. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Since 1981, Pastor Steve has been teaching expository or verse-by-verse messages. These daily Bible classes of the air extend that ministry to a wider audience. Pastor Steve has been teaching for a while now from 1 Samuel about the life of one of the most godly men who ever lived and the greatest king in the history of Israel. His name was David. After David killed the giant Goliath, he entered into a period of loneliness. But God brought a cure in the person of Saul's son, Jonathan. Yesterday, we began to examine some of the essentials of that friendship and of any true friendship. One essential is a common heart, in other words, common goals and passions. Let's go to God's Word now to find another crucial ingredient in true friendship. Here is Pastor Steve. Now, in all fairness, and and the reason that I'm bringing this out is because I want you to understand something. There have been critics of the Bible down through the years who refer to these verses as, in in their words, proof that the Bible is, uh, is filled with contradictions. And... Their reasoning is this. They say that Saul had to know who David was. He was his musician. Saul's already been through this. He knows who David, uh, David is. So why is he asking uh, these questions? Why is he finding out who he is? And so they say, see, the Bible is, uh, is contradictory. Well, how do we answer this? And I say this so you, your, fa- your faith would be strengthened. Well, the answer is really not that difficult. The answer is that Saul wasn't inquiring about David. He didn't say, who are you? He said, who's your father? He wanted to know who the young man's father was. Now, why would he want to know who his father was? Because Saul had promised, in chapter 17 we we read this, Saul had promised that anyone who kills the giant would not only marry his daughter, but his father's uh, family would be tax-free. He'd have to pay no more taxes. So what he's saying to David is, who is your father that I could uh, free him from paying taxes? That's, that's all there is to it. He had to know who his family was. And uh, he didn't he know who, he knew who David was. 
But he didn't know who his, who his father was. And so that's really the answer to this. Now, we go back to chapter 18, verse 1. It was after this conversation between David and Saul about the identity of his father that something significant took place in the heart of Jonathan, Saul's son, who was listening to this conversation. It says in verse 1, Now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as himself. What a great statement. What does it mean? The Hebrew word when it says his soul was knit to the soul of, of David. What does that mean? The Hebrew word for knit means to tie or to bind together. In other words, the soul of Jonathan tied itself or bound itself to the soul of David. Jonathan had finally found a soulmate. He had finally found someone whose heart beat with his. That, that's what this means. He had finally met someone who, could, uh, who, who he could, uh, could really relate to spiritually, and their souls and hearts were knit together. That's to say that Jonathan was so impressed with David that his soul clung to David's. He had finally found someone who he could relate to. Now, um, we haven't studied much about Jonathan. In fact, we really haven't studied anything about Jonathan. But uh, you don't need to go back and read this now, but I would encourage you on your own to do this. In chapter 14, in fact, I'll just read verse 6 to you. In chapter 14, verse 6, we, we are given insight about Jonathan, what a wonderful man of God he was. In chapter 14, verse 6, you must know the background of this. The Philistines really dominated the, uh, uh, the Israelites at that time. The Israelites were scared, they were intimidated, and uh, they were losing a lot of battles. Saul began his, uh, his kingship winning battles, but then the tide turned and the Philistines were winning as Saul's uh, spiritual heart became, became uh, revealed, what a, what a weakling he was spiritually. So in that context, it says in verse 6, Then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come, this is in the context against the Philistines, Come, let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us, for the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. Jonathan is taking just his armor bearer and he's saying, let's attack the Philistines. And the story goes on to say that uh, he and his armor bearer actually attacked the Philistines and killed about 20 of them. And, and what Jonathan, what his heart reveals here is that Jonathan was saying, look, the Lord is great. He doesn't need an army. Perhaps he'll use us because God doesn't need people. Our strength is in the Lord. We're going to have faith in the Lord, not in armies. And, and that's what this is about. So it just gives you a flavor for Jonathan's spiritual passion. But he was really alone. I think Jonathan was a very lonely man because there was apparently nobody else in Israel who had his kind of commitment to Jehovah God. He believed that God was capable of delivering him and Israel, even if it was just by a few people. Great faith. And, and uh, really, Jonathan, in light of that, in light of his passion and his zeal for the Lord, probably didn't have anybody else who really understood what he was about until young David came on the scene with great faith and he killed Goliath because God's honor was attacked. And, and here's really what verse 1 is, is saying. As David stood talking with Saul, probably with the head of Goliath in his hand, Jonathan knew instantly that he had finally found a friend, someone whose heart was like his. They had a common heart. The first essential of, of a meaningful friendship is a common heart, is to have your soul knit 
to the soul of somebody else. So what does this tell us about friendship? The only way you can have a meaningful friendship with anybody is if it's based upon a common heart. That is a common perspective of life. A common perspective of life. Friends, and I want to say this up front, friends don't need to agree on everything. You'll never find somebody you agree with on, on everything. But they do need to share a similar worldview and an approach to life. That's why, by the way, that when you get married, why a believer should only marry a believer. Because what do you have in common with someone who's an unbeliever? If you have a lot of things in common with someone who's an unbeliever, you're probably an unbeliever yourself, thinking that you're a Christian. But this isn't talking about marriage. This is talking about friendship here. This is, is why your friendship with a non-Christian, just you know, male to male, woman to woman, uh, that's why with a non-Christian, it's just limited. You can have somewhat of a relationship and friendship as far as reaching out with the gospel, evangelizing non-Christians, but you can't have this kind of a friendship. Your soul cannot be knit with a, with a non-Christian soul it can, because it would only go so far. It would only go so deep because it isn't based on your souls being knit together about such key issues. What, what are we talking about? A, a, a worldview, a, a common worldview and perspective. For example... You want to have a common worldview about God's authority and sovereignty. Uh, your friendship should be made up with somebody who sees God as total. They see God as totally sovereign and in control, and God's word as the final authority. I, I couldn't be friends, close friends, with somebody who didn't see life like that. Also, a desire to be holy and and to bring God glory. You ought to have a relationship, a close friendship with somebody who sees life like that. For me to live is Christ. Also, there should be a yearning for others to come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's the kind of person that you can have a deep friendship with. You see, a great friendship between believers in Christ is built upon spiritual attractiveness to each other. Not that you like to shop together not that maybe you like sports, guys. I mean, that's okay. But it ought to be a lot deeper than that, or else your souls are not knit together. Maybe your sports minds are knit together, but your souls are not knit together. So therefore, the way to be a friend with a godly individual is to be one yourself. To be one yourself. Never lower your standards. Never say, you know, I've been waiting for a close friend, and I don't see anybody out there. So I'll just kind of be like everybody else, and I'll, you know compromise and accommodate them. No, never do that. And why do I say that? Let me, let me share with you a few passages of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, says this, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion, the companion of fools will suffer harm. Don't be a close friend of a fool. You'll suffer, just like that fool. Be wise, walk with wise men. And then Psalm 119, verse uh, verse 63, these incredible words, I am a companion of all those who fear thee and of those who keep thy precepts. You ought to be a close friend and you ought to be praying for a close friend and friendship with someone like this. Someone who fears the Lord. Someone who has a perspective on life that is godly and biblical. So don't lower your standards. If you're lonely due to godliness, then keep pressing on. Keep pressing on and ask God to send you someone who lives like you do or should live like God wants them to live. And I say that also if someone is struggling here about, well, I want to get married. 
and I haven't found the right person. Don't lower your standards. I was just reading a wonderful article about Tony Dungy, and uh, Tony Dungy is a committed believer. And uh, while I was away, there was an article apparently written about him in the Tampa Tribune. Someone put it in my, uh, in my tray, and I read it. And uh, his wife, who's also a committed believer, said that when she went to college, she thought that she would uh, find the right person there. She was looking for a Christian. And you know what? Four years came, four years went. She didn't find the right person. She said, but I determined I wasn't going to lower my standards. I was not going to lower my standards. And uh, God gave her, in Tony Dungy, uh, someone whose soul was knit with hers. And so I just want to encourage you like that, but not just for marriage, but for friendship. It's so meaningful to have somebody who has a common heart. When that great pioneer missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, was 23 years old, he was over in China, and uh, you may not realize this, but he was very discouraged, very disillusioned. His missionary agency promised to provide for him financially, and they didn't. They, they broke their word. Not only that, he was discouraged by uh, criticism. He did rather, some rather unorthodox methodology in, uh, in missions. Uh, today, it's orthodox. Then it was unorthodox. Everybody uses his methodology today to some degree. Also, it was at that time when he was 23, his girlfriend back in England wrote to him and broke off their relationship. He was discouraged. Um, he had no friends. He really needed a friend. It was at that time that God sent along someone who's, who had a common heart with J. Hudson Taylor. He was a true friend in a, in a Scottish missionary by the name of William Burns. And it just changed his life. He, he was an older man. He came alongside of this young man. He encouraged him. He prayed with him. He said, watch me in ministry. And they had Bible studies together and they did evangelism together. And that was just what Hudson Taylor needed. Uh, from a human standpoint, I would venture to say, had William Burns not come along, we would have never heard of Hudson Taylor. He would have just been one of many missionaries who are out there who maybe uh, would have been so discouraged he would have come home. Don't lower your standards. Don't pray that God would give you a, a friend who has a common heart like yours based on Jesus Christ and his word. And pray that you will be like that so that your hearts would be knit together. So the first essential of a, uh, of a meaningful friendship is a common heart. The second essential is a caring heart. A caring heart. Notice the end of verse 1 says this, And Jonathan loved David as himself, and Saul took him that day and did not let him return to his father's house. That is David. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. So twice in these verses it says that Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. What a tremendous thought. What a tremendous thought, especially in light of the fact that this friendship wasn't cultivated over a period of time. This was instantaneous. This happened like that. Jonathan had a special love for David. Now, because our culture and generation is so twisted and perverted, I need to explain something that I wish I didn't need to clarify, but it's important. And that's this. There are some who look at this statement, and there are others in the Bible, too, about Jonathan's love for David and conclude that they had a homosexual relationship. Maybe you've never heard that, but uh, that's what some say. In, in fact, um, they, uh, they will add to it when, when Jonathan died. David said, your, your love for me was greater than the love of a woman. So they say, well, that, that proves it. Uh, that's false, and it's absurd for several reasons. Let me give you some of these reasons. Number one, God would never call David a man after his own heart if he was a homosexual. 
Uh, it also says in chapter 18, verse 14, that wherever David went, God prospered him. God would not prosper uh, David uh, if he was involved in this kind of activity. God condemns homosexuality. He says it's absolutely wrong. In fact, when David sinned with Bathsheba, God did not prosper him. God not only rebuked him, God disciplined him. He condemned him and he lost fellowship with God. So that's number one. God approved of this man and would not have done that if David was involved in, uh, in homosexuality. Secondly, the Hebrew word for love that's used here is never used of homosexual relationship. It's never used of any kind of sexual relationship. The, the word that's used, the Hebrew word that's used for sexual activity is uh, the word that speaks of intimacy. Uh, to know someone, whether a man or a woman, to know someone, it is never used, that word is never used of David and Jonathan. And that's always the word that's used of sexual activity. Number three, there is a misinterpretation of the passage of Scripture that says that uh, David and Jonathan's love was greater than the love of a woman. In fact, let, let's turn there. Second Samuel chapter 1, verse 25. This is when Jonathan died. David says, How have the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? Jonathan is slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was more wonderful than the love of women. Now, this doesn't reflect any sensuality in their relationship, but it does reveal, in my judgment, it reveals that David, while very close to Jonathan, but I think it also reveals that David didn't have a very good and healthy relationship with a wife. If your best friend has a better relationship with you than your spouse, something is wrong with your relationship with your spouse. Kent Hughes in his book, Discipline of a Godly, Disciplines of a Godly Man, says this, that David felt Jonathan's love was more wonderful than, the, than that of a woman would not have been said if he had a good monogamous marriage. This is testimony to the poverty of his relationship with his wives, an inevitable result of the sin of multiplying wives. And it was a sin because Deuteronomy 17, verse 17, said the king of Israel must never have more than one wife. So that's my interpretation of it. Regardless of that, whether I'm right or wrong in that interpretation, there was certainly nothing sensual, sexual about David's relationship with Jonathan. So I want to say this. I think one reason why men are not close to other men, Christian men not close to other men, is because uh, they're afraid of being labeled. They're afraid of being labeled as gay. They're afraid uh, of what the culture will say. Listen, men, be men. Don't let the culture dictate to you how you behave. Some think it's not manly to have a close male friend. Why people think there's something wrong with you if, if you're with another man too much. Uh, be biblical. Be biblical. Go against the grain of, of the culture. And if, the, if people think things about you, so what? David didn't, didn't care. Jonathan didn't care. The Bible teaches us that we ought to have close male friendships and female friendships with other females. That's what the Bible teaches. So with that out of the way, we need to realize that Jonathan and David cared for each other. That's what the verses are really saying. They loved, Jonathan loved him as he loved himself. They cared for each other in a friendship that had no sexual overtones. And not only is this possible between two men or two women, but it's a biblical essential for a meaningful friendship. So what does it mean? What does it mean when the Bible says to love a friend as yourself? What does that really mean? I think way in the New Testament, in Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul gave us, gives us some insight about that. Ephesians 
chapter 5. Now, Paul is speaking, of course, in the context of a husband and wife relationship, but it's certainly applicable to friendship because he's speaking of a oneness, souls that are knit together. So there's an application here. In verse 28, Paul says uh, of Ephesians 5, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. Paul is referring, as I said, to a special oneness and love of a, of a husband and wife, but the principle applies. principle applies. To love a friend as you love yourself is to care for them as we care for ourselves. It's simply that. To care for them as we care for ourselves. Just as we are careful to provide for ourselves, our physical needs, and, and we nurture ourselves and so forth, so we're to live this, uh, give the same attention, the same time, the same energy to a true friend. You know how deep Jonathan and David cared for each other? They made a commitment to take care of each other's family after they died. Now that, that is to care for one another. You see, true friendship is selfless. And we need to hear this because so much of what we think is a friendship is not. It's one-sided. So much of what we think is friendship is really manipulative, controlling. Some people think they're friends, but they're really not friends. They're very controlling or they smother someone. They can't stand that, that my friend is with somebody else. They're very jealous. That's not true friendship. True friendship is selfless. True friendship doesn't say, oh, great, now I have a friend. I can talk to you for hours on the phone and pour out my heart. I've been waiting for this. In fact, I would pay $5 to speak to someone nonstop on the phone. That's how desperate I am. No, that's not true friendship. True friendship doesn't go into it saying, oh, I've been looking for you all of my life. Now sit here and let me pour my heart out. True friendship says, I'll be selfless. I will be the friend to you. I will care for you like I care for myself. That's what a true friend is. Very important to understand. Some people just want friendship to meet their own needs. They, just, they want attention. And they end up smothering people. And they end up controlling them. And when the other person backs off, they get really down on them. Oh, that's not the issue. That's not the issue. It's, it's you. You need to be willing to care about somebody else. Not just talk about yourself. Not just uh, look at this other person as being there to meet your needs. It's you are to love them as you love yourself. And we certainly do love ourselves, don't we? A real friend cares for his friends in such a way that he does what's best for them. Someone once said that some people make enemies rather than friends because it is less trouble. I'm sure it is easier to make enemies than friends because you really do have to sacrifice, at least initially, to have a close friend. But once you have that close friend, life sure gets a lot better. We're glad to have you with us today for yet another verse-by-verse Bible class of the air. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is guiding us in a study of the life of David. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where he has been preaching and teaching for over 27 years. We hope these daily broadcasts have blessed you. If so, would you prayerfully consider helping us keep them on the air? Here is Pastor Steve with some thoughts about giving. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff with a special message about why people like you choose to support verse by verse with their prayers and financial gifts. 
there was a man who uh, was in touch with us and said he uh, had come to faith in Christ as a result of the verse-by-verse series that we did on Romans and what it means to be justified by faith. We're trying to have lives changed by the teaching of the Word of God. We think there's no substitute for that. If you've been blessed through Verse by Verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. You can call 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714. Or drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Thank you, Pastor Steve. For more about giving and to gain access to our free downloads and podcasts, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. We also offer a free newsletter if you would like to take advantage of that resource. That's versebyverseradio.org. Our class today was the middle of a three-part message. If you would like to hear the entire message at one time, it is available on CD or cassette. To get your own copy, call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a phone number, and we'll call you back during regular office hours. So far, Pastor Steve has covered two essentials of true friendship. One is a common heart, the other is a caring heart. On the next Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will be considering another friend. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.